Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Benjamin R. Harrison. Ben, did you get a package from me? <laughs> I did. A care package is what I called it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was a fun one to open up. You told me that it was on its way, and I had no idea what to expect and it wound up being very on topic for our show yeah i don't have it up here with me and i don't have a perfect memory of what was in it but it was like a Luwaxana troy toy commemorative wharf plate some beautiful paintings that a viewer brought to one of our live shows yeah those are the nerdscapes pictures that uh, our friends at nerdscapes sent us did you get a couple of those? I did, yeah. Oh, good, good. Uh, They were good enough to send uh, two copies of both images, so. Oh, awesome. Because yeah. I, I, I didn't want one of us to have one and the other not. Well, a viewer might be getting the idea that, you know, I'm, I'm so kind that I would send you the only copies of a <laughs> gift like that. Yeah. I'm not that kind, Ben. If, if there were only two copies, I would have kept them. Yeah. That said, Adam, why don't we open a couple of packages of baseball cards okay <laughs> that surprised you with that one didn't i the game is five cards stud. the game is exceedingly simple more of this is just the card there time to pluck a pigeon you still have a signed card waiting to happen yeah waiting to spring I, forth i keep like every show i start with a pack of cards in here in front of me and i often don't get the opportunity to open it so Ooh, I got an uh, Arsenal of Freedom card here. That was a fun episode. Yeah. That was, uh, was that Dildonic weapon episode? Yeah, Echo Papa 607. Yeah. I got uh, Contagion, which is when the poopy got on the pach. <laughs> uh, Drumhead, Aquiel. And this might be one that I don't have yet. Rightful Air. Worf visits the planet Boreth, where followers of Kalos wait for their leader's return. That one's coming up. Yeah, it sure is. Why would why would people follow Kalos if they had the choice about whether or not to follow? Uh, God, remind me of his name, Ben. The uh, the Gowron? The, the dumpy Klingon god. Oh, I who's, think that is like Kalos. Slimy. Oh, oh really? uh, no, oh. it's not. The slimy one, fuck. Who's like ruling all the? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could follow, follow Kalis, but I think if given the choice, I would follow Feklar, wouldn't you? <laughs> Go fuck I mean, yourself. Fo- the followers of Feklar uh, are just wearing uh, handkerchiefs across <laughs> their nose. Yeah. Gotta gotta mop up all that drool, Ben. Yeah, it's a it's a messy lifestyle following <laughs> Feklar. <laughs> oh man, it's a it's an antihistamine free lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> They've sworn off all Benadryl, Ben. Well, 
You got any interesting cards in there, Adam? No, I got all repeats again. Uh, yeah. I, have, I have all repeats and no special edition, like, comic book style cards. The trouble with this card bit is that it really starts to get boring toward the end. Yeah. You know what I was sort of hoping was that, you know how, like, in certain baseball and football cards you get, like, a clipping of, of a uniform? Hmm. I've that never seen been, that. That would have been fun. You get that would have been uh, fun. You get a little postage stamp sized piece of a, of a wharf uniform, for instance. Yeah. That would have been fun. That would have been really cool. A loaf clipping. Yeah. Each piece is worth $3,000. Yeah, that gets expensive pretty fast. Well, uh, should we uh, get to uh, dancing with who brung us, Adam? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's talk about season five, episode six. Unification one. This episode starts, Ben, with a credit obit. Yeah, R.I.P. For a recently departed Gene Roddenberry. Big Rod himself. This might be a good time to talk about our at times conflicted feelings about Big Rod. What mm. would you say on the occasion of a credit obit for Mr. Gene Roddenberry? There's so much about Star Trek that I think is amazing and I think is directly creditable to him. Right. It was a team effort, but he was the jobs behind the, the whole affair. Right. And I think that the imagined better future is so cool. There, yeah. I can't think of many television shows or fictions of any kind that look into the future and imagine it being unbalanced better for everybody. Yeah. And it's the kind of future I like to imagine, and I wish we had more fiction like this. Yeah. And uh, I think that that uh, is right... Uh, you know, I think that all of that stuff is is Rod's Rod's contribution. I think that when it comes to making actual good TV, maybe he wasn't as much of a genius. But uh, right. but the fictional universe that he created, and we talk about this a lot now. Like, if Star Trek is a place, he's the person that invented that place, and he did a great job. I think that Steve Jobs comparison is interesting because you know Roddenberry constructed the universe that we enjoy here and I think the thing I'm most grateful about is that a lot of sci-fi falls into the uh, religious trap this is the reason that I like Star Trek more than Star Wars yeah like Star Wars feels like a far more religious metaphor than Star Trek does because Mm -hmm. in Star Trek the religion is science that's a and that's an angle that I appreciate, especially. There's I mean, no there's no Muad'Dib in Star Trek. Where the Jobs comparison works for me is that, you know, Jobs set the tone and created the culture, but he also made the Lisa, you know? Like, he also yeah. had some massive misfires. There were things that he failed at. Yeah. And... I think we know what those failures are when we consider, you know, how vast and 
long in terms of time the Star Trek universe has occupied. So yeah. I am especially grateful to to Big Rod for all the great entertainment that we've received while at the same time loving the universe enough to criticize its many faults. Like this is not a perfect place. And he mm-hmm. was not a perfect creator. No. But but we're here because of him. And I think to to minimize that or diminish that in any way would be wrong. So this was yeah. a this seeing the credit there is a good opportunity for us to just sort of restate that for the record in a way that I think up until now we've we've taken our shots at at the Roddenberry Industrial Complex, but mm-hmm. deep down I I think we know how important he was and is to this whole thing. Yeah, well, and I think that we should just say, for the record, while we admire Gene Roddenberry, the man, we have no financial ties or any <laughs> other ties to the Roddenberry Industrial Complex. Right. And we would never sell our show out in that way. Never, ever. And, uh, and we just want to make that abundantly clear. That we, we are, are not in the pocket of Big Rod. As ever, out of the pocket of Big Rod. No Absolutely. puppet. No puppet. <laughs> You're the puppet. <laughs> well put, Ben. This episode once we get the R.I.P. banner out of the way, starts with some shit popping off. The Enterprise was going to go do some terraforming, but that has been canceled, uh, and the Enterprise has been recalled to Starbase 234. And uh, the captain is meeting with Admiral Brackett, who tells him that one Ambassador Spock has gone missing, and... Much like the ambassador, Vulcan ambassador that they ferried to the clutches of the Romulans before, they have discovered that Ambassador Spock is on planet Romulus. And I assure you it was an unauthorized visit. Did you get the feeling that Admiral Brackett was a temp name that actually made the show? (laughs) (laughs) You mean like the time that they had subcommander TKTKTK on the Romulan ship? Admiral Lorem Ipsum <laughs> has some concerns that she shares with Picard. Admiral, this space intentionally left blank. Yeah. How many words of Lorem Ipsum can you recall? Sort of like uh, digits and pi. Oh, man. Is Dolor the next one? I, I think know. it is, but I don't know anything past Dolor. That's a dumb contest. <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe we even played the uh, the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music for that. What idiots we are. I'm going to save myself the work and just edit that out. <laughs> so the next stop for Picard is the Vulcan homeworld. He's going to yeah. pay a visit to, uh, to Sarek. Yeah. And according to Sarek's wife, he's not doing so hot. I think one of the reasons that Sarek is doing so poorly is they've got him set up in an uncomfortable marble bed. Yeah, Sarek's house is shitty. 
He's sort of writhing around uncomfortably. I think you gotta you gotta roll a craftmatic in there, Ben. You gotta for, get uh, a... for some end of life comfort. Feel better and sleep better in the craftmatic adjustable bed. We have this whole scene where Picard is talking to Perrin. She who is who is Sarek's wife, as portrayed by Joanna Miles, who personally signed a Star Trek card of mine. Yeah. You know, like, hey, like, we are pretty sure that Spock is defecting or something. Something is up with Spock, and he is on Romulus, and that is hugely concerning to a lot of people, considering he's been a really important mover and shaker in the Federation for, like, 90 years. And she's like, yeah, he's a real prick. He didn't even say goodbye to his dad before he left. Is it possible he could have been abducted? No. The tone is set that Spock has sort of rebelled out. Do you think Spock is a little bit in this episode inspired by Doug from the state? <laughs> yeah. Do whatever, Dad. I'm out of here. Sarek is, in fact, a pretty cool dad, and Spock is looking to rebel against somebody that... Why would you even rebel? I don't know. Well, Joanna Miles is uh, doing, a, doing a nice job here. And uh, the other, I guess, around that scene is when they also establish that there's some crapola that the Vulcans want the Enterprise to look into. They have like a bunch of parts from a Vulcan ship that are busted up. And this ship was supposed to be in like the pawn shop. <laughs> And they found it all, like, shredded and busted up. So they want the Enterprise to, like, see why it wasn't in the pawn shop anymore. Like, the, the Vulcans have been making payments, and they were going to go get it back. And now it's all shredded and strewn up around the cargo bay floor. This is going to be like putting together a big jigsaw puzzle when you don't even know what the picture's supposed to be. Yep. This introduces a really fun idea in science fiction, which is the idea of the wrecking yard or the mm-hmm. ghost fleet. You know, what yeah. happens to the ships when people are done using them? So the wreckage of this ship was supposed to be in one of those depots. And so that sort of begins the mystery. Yeah. Picard gets Sarek to snap to it for about five minutes. And uh, it's enough time for Sarek to give him some, some pretty critical information. We've basically picked up where we left off with Sarek, which is that he is totally falling apart. And he's a lot worse than last time. Like, there's there's nobody that can use their psychic power to hold his mind together. Like a mug that's fallen on the floor that you can, if you use both hands, keep, keep in one piece. But will fall apart if, if you reach for the glue. He... Uh... It's also wearing a Batman jalab. <laughs> Did you notice that? Once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. He stands up from his marble table bed and starts walking around, and he has the clear impression of the Batman wings across his shoulders. Yeah, that's true. It's like Christopher Nolan Batman symbol. Yeah, the kind of like stretched out Nolan Nolanized one. Yeah. 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 This isn't your daddy's Batman. This is a dark, gritty Batman. Picard's like, I'm trying to hear you talk to me, but all I hear is that Inception horn. (laughs) He's like, hey, Sarek, what's going on with your son uh, being on Romulus? Spock on Romulus? (laughs) You gotta go get him. No more chaos! 
Get him back, Picard! <laughs> you get a chase back because he can take it. Go from me! He's not the diplomat we need. How does that line go? I can never remember. He's the diplomat we need, but not the diplomat we need right now. He's the diplomat we deserve. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, it's another one of these, like, he's a little bit demented, like, by the end of the scene, he's, like, kind of forgetting what's going on in the conversation. But what Picard walks away with is Spock believes that it can be achieved a reunification between the Vulcans and the Romulans. And I guess the backstory on this is that they're like long lost cousins. And Spock has been in touch with this senator name of Pardek in the upper reaches of Romulan society and is presumably gone to Romulus to look into the idea of uh, opening a normalization between the Vulcans and the Romulans, which would be a big deal because the Romulans have been the grade A number one assholes of the quadrant for a long time. Yeah, they're sort of paying off this idea that we've seen throughout the show, which is they look exactly alike. Shouldn't they be related? (laughs) Yeah, I think the Romulans are like fractionally loafier than the Vulcans. Yeah, the uh, the breadbox cover really emphasizes the loaf, I yeah. think. Yeah. This scene ends with a single brass instrument of profound sadness. And other than, like, bleeding out of the mouth, I think it's the one thing the show does to telegraph that someone's about to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's some sad stuff. Like, Sarek is a beloved character for, for good reason. Yeah. He's been, he's been a, a very interesting force on two series it sucks to see him like that like the last time we palled around with Sarek on the show he was already becoming more and more lost in his mind and uh and to see how much more far gone he's become is is sad and it's a contemporary sadness that comes with seeing an aged loved one circle the drain mentally yeah my love is a That is enough for Picard to decide that they got to go. They got to go to Romulus and see what's going on. So he and Data are going to go on this mission, and they decide that they're going to use a cloaked Klingon ship. So he's going to have to go ask his buddy Gowron a big favor. But it turns out Gowron has been doing some Ministry of Truth shit uh, <laughs> about the history of his ascension to the Klingon throne. <laughs> this was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period. And they've sort of whitewashed Picard out of the story. In the new version, there is no mention made of the Federation's help in his rise to power. Gowron is not exactly the even-handed leader that I think Picard was led to believe. You are worried that your country is in the hands of this unpredictable man. But don't worry. It's not. Obviously, he's no Duras, but he's definitely, like, moving the Klingons away from their friendship with the Federation and is, like, more volatile a a leader than Kempak ever was. So that's concerning, and it's uh, that's kind of related to them by Worf, but by the time they get to Klingon space, you know, Picard is, like, ready to uh, kick it to Gowron what he needs, and instead they get this very low-ranking guy... 
on the FaceTime. I regret to inform you that Garon and the High Council are quite busy and won't be able to speak with you today. They get like an admin. Yeah. Which is really fun to see like how he plays his his character. Yeah. Like he doesn't get a lot of screen time, but yeah. but he sells it like a middle management bureaucrat so well. Captain Garon wishes it were possible to talk with everyone who wants an audience, but he is one man. The demands on his time are formidable. If you would like me to take him a message. A message? Picard is like, hey, listen, man, this is nothing against you. It's just that I know for a fact that you can't help me with my problem, so I'm going to need to talk to your manager. Can you put yeah. him on the phone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what they've done is they've is they've called the bank, but they got a call center. Yeah. And they're, they're having to sort of go through the phone tree. Yeah, yeah. Picard is like, what country are you in? You're in Nevada, huh? I, I'm not sure I believe that. Being very condescending to this uh, to this operator. Yeah, it's also fun to see the way Picard plays it, right? Yeah, because he uh, he plays it so cool as if to be passive aggressive, right? Yeah, I think that he knows that. Like the two things that somebody that works in this capacity has to contend with is they don't want to become a problem for their boss and they got to <laughs> roll calls, you know? Like they make yeah. money by volume. So he's he's trying to get Picard off the phone pretty quickly and Picard is like, listen, I would hate to have to make this embarrassing for Gowron. Yeah. And and that really like, that really gets this functionary character on his side. He's like, oh, okay, we'll do, we'll do you a solid. And he delivers. Yeah. Picard gets his ship. I like the way he says, I require a cloaked ship. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all gonna give me a cloaked ship. That's what's going on here. It seems like this is not too far after a pretty badass Klingon Civil War. I'm a little bit surprised that they've got a spare ship. And that it's not blown to pieces. Mm Mm-hmm. This is just a couple episodes later. Yeah. So... I guess Picard and Data are going to get fitted for Romulan drag. And meanwhile, he and Geordi and Riker, Picard and Geordi and Riker meet up in the cargo bay. And they're like looking at all this twisted metal. And they're like, yeah, the Vulcans tell us it's like a deflector dish. And uh, we're still scratching our heads as to why it's here or what's going on. And uh, Picard's like, well, I mean, I'm going to be gone for a few days and the ship doesn't have anything else to do. And Riker's like, well, why don't I, uh, why don't we, why don't we turn the other half of this episode into a whodunit? Yeah. Which is always, always fine by me, Adam. It's an interesting crew left on the Enterprise because I think most of the time when Riker has command, Data is on the bridge too. Data is his right hand man for sure. Yeah. And so who is Riker's XO if it's not Data? It's Worf, right? I guess so. I mean, I think that probably Jordy would rank him, but Jordy is going to be doing his engineering stuff most of the time, right? You rarely get much exposure to a Riker-Jordy interaction, and I wonder if that's because Riker at his core finds Jordy to be loathsome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Could you imagine two more opposite people? No, no, it doesn't exist. Yeah. One of them is, uh, you know, men want to be him and women want to be with him. And men want to be with him and women want to be him. And the other one, nobody wants anything to do with. 
<laughs> yeah, just doesn't seem fair. Yeah. Uh, so, so Picard and Data's Uber has arrived. <laughs> and they're like, hey, Uber for Picard? Yeah. But this is like uh this is like an Uber pool where the where the rating is not gonna hold as much weight. Because yeah, it's a real gypsy cab Uber. Yeah, they get over to this thing and the captain is the captain of the Klingon ship is big dogging Picard as soon as he's on board and it never stops, right? Like this guy is like constantly implying that members of the Federation are weenies and you know, can't take sleeping on a hard bed and implies that Picard can't stomach their food. He gives him a really aggressive tour, right? Yeah, yeah. It's whereas like, whereas a normal tour you'd be like, here are here are your accommodations. Here's when the buffet starts. Here's <laughs> where you can get extra linens. Right. At every stop on this tour, he's like, "Oh, I bet you're not going to like this." And if <laughs> yeah. you don't like that, you're definitely not going to like this. I feel like this must be what it's like to take a tour of that U.S. Navy ship that the North Koreans captured and give (laughs) tours of in Pyongyang. Yeah. (laughs) Like, here is where the weak Americans took several bullets from one of our AK-47s. Right, right. Here's where the imperialist scum the Americans control their ship from. You will sleep Klingon style. We do not soften our bodies by putting down a pad. Good. I prefer it that way. So the the Enterprise and this Klingon ship split up, and uh, there's a real fun shot of like the Klingon ship flying off in one direction, and the entrepreneur like doing a doing an e break and flying off in the other direction. I really yeah, like I like this. those shots. Getting to see the ship do a nearly 360 turn is really cool. Yeah. You never get to see that. Yeah. It looks elegant. Yeah, it looks great. I am the cutest of all. Will assist us. I am the cutest of all. You are all. So they pull up to a boneyard where they get on FaceTime with the administrator of this thing. And it's really cool, right? It's like when they pull up, it's like a Wolf 359 level of scattered starships in the in the sky. Yeah, you see a couple Honda Del Sol type starships. You mm-hmm. see you see like a star base in the deep background. Yeah, there's a bunch of shit there. This this is a very ripe setting that I know we don't like to go into the future too much on this show, but man, you could really do a whole episode here. You could do a lot of episodes here. How scary yeah. do you think that giant empty star base is? Super scary. So scary. Yeah, and uh, and this guy's this this is a another like phone operator who wants to get them off the phone. They're really having bad phone luck, aren't they? Yeah, this is this is not like call center worker phone operator <laughs> though. This is more like small businessman who has like you know you're not adding to or subtracting from his income. You're just wasting his time, so he doesn't want to talk to you. You know, like like if you call like the like the place you're supposed to take paint when it expires or whatever to ask them like what their hours are. You get the gruff guy on the phone who just like really doesn't care to be talking to anybody at this at this time of day. I need some information about a Vulcan ship, the Tapau. It was sent to you a few years ago. Did you arrange an appointment? An appointment? No. Then I will be unable to help you. 
You may communicate with schedule. It's real service industry vibes, right? Like yeah. sometimes you'll go to a mechanic and the mechanic just does not give a shit that you exist. Like yep. when the imbalance is that you need something from them, they just don't care. And that's right. the vibe here. Yeah, and they don't have like an obvious way of getting leverage over him either. Right. So they, uh, I think that, I think it's uh, Troy that talks to Riker and she's like, you know, like this guy is the king of the hill and you're going to have to figure out a way to give him something he wants. And what he wants is a beta zoid to hang out with. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those scenes where it's like, oh, Troy is about to get given an interesting uh, character trait. She's she's actually counseling Riker in a useful way. Oh, nope. She's just yeah. being used for sex appeal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, her pot is being used for arm candy. Yeah. Terrible. Well, they bring this uh, this guy aboard, and he gets he gets to look around the bridge, and he's really impressed. He's like, wow, the lights are on? No ghosts or anything. I don't usually see them in such good condition. You know, he's the same race as, uh, as Cow Milker Game guy, right? Oh, is he? Yeah, he is a Zach Dorn guy. That's interesting, because they it's were like... It's sort of a deep callback. That is a deep callback, and they really sold that race as, like, strategists. And yeah. This guy has uh, got lots of character traits in common with that guy, but they aren't that he's a great strategist. They're more that he's, like, kind of a stuffy prick. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he's, like, got some, like, father-in-law vibes when he's talking to Troy. Like, um, yeah. I don't know what to tell you about, so I'll tell you about, like, a new tool I bought for my shed, you know? I once found a 14-foot Kaldorian eel on board a freighter in someone's locker. Are you serious? If you have time, I'll show it to you. I still have it. It's totally awkward holiday conversation, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the answer to the question, what have you been up to? And you're not really interested in its answer. Right. Like, do I explain to my mother-in-law's best friend what a podcast is? <laughs> or do I just say, oh, you know, working hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the look on Troy's face is a look that I feel like you and I have run into quite a bit whenever <laughs> we bring up the podcast to our wives. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just a sort of vacant eyes but but a, a smiley face otherwise like just just really like going through it mm-hmm. well they tell him about this busted up vulcan ship and they like the guy looks into his computer and uh and he's like well that's aboard the what is it the starship tripoli yeah I guess it's like a shuttle, so it was beamed aboard the starship Tripoli, and they're like, well, let's go check out the Tripoli, see what's going on with it. And so they fly over to it, and it's not there. <laughs> We're not here. It's not, and it really, it, this really pisses off the owner of the depot. Yeah, he's, Klim he's like Dakachin. He's like, my shit's tight all the time. Yeah. Like, the idea of losing a ship is totally repugnant to him. In all the time that the Zach Dorn have operated this depot, nothing has ever been lost. Never. Because what's happened here is is 
they he's lost two ships. There's the original Vulcan ship that's in pieces in the shuttle bay, and there's also the ship that this other ship that's supposed to be parked in the yard that's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever been to a boneyard, Adam? I s- sort of suspect you might have. I have been to both uh, several automobile boneyards, but even better, I have been to the airplane boneyard uh, in Victorville, California. I went to the one in Mojave, California. Awesome. And uh, I mean, it's it's a stupendous thing to behold. And it also kind of forces the question, how do they keep track of all this shit? Because you'll look, you're, you'll be standing there and you're standing on like dirt in the middle of nowhere. And there's like a six foot chain link fence with some razor wire on top of it. And then beyond it is like, 650 jetliners that are just like rotting away on the ground. And you're like, you know, like these probably, none of these are probably flyable at this point, but like how, like, like they all are also all worth $2 million, you know, (laughs) minimum. (laughs) There's a feeling that I got at that boneyard, which was like an unexpected true sadness about it. Because I really love airplanes. I I work with large airplane companies in my video production work. And, like, I love them. I'm a plane nerd. And so to see them totally fucking kicked, yeah. like, it made me feel sad in a real way. And one thing that I noticed about this scene at the Space Boneyard is the lack of that feeling. And mm-hmm. I think that could have been remedied remedied with... Like showing us a ship type that we love, yeah, in the, in the boneyard, and we don't get that in a show in us a way like that, a couple of Reliance close up, you know. Well, there are a couple of Reliance there, but like, give me an old Excelsior or or like an Enterprise A style starship, yeah, or like or the Hulk of a Galaxy class ship from Wolf Three Five Nine, like, yeah, give me something to be sad about. Like, it would have been. They've got the models, and it would have been a throwaway shot, but I I would have liked to have felt more for for that because I think there's an opportunity there. I think that's that's a good point, and I think that like at this point in television history, just showing that it is at all a boneyard yeah. was probably so fucking expensive. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> At this point, uh, Picard and Data are getting to Romulus, and it's really fun. They get dragged out, you know. They put on all their makeup and their wigs and their and their bread boxes. Data looks like a real Romulan. I am eager to test the success of our efforts. It does remain to be seen whether the Romulans will accept us. They look great. They really do. They don't look camp or weird. I mean, besides the Frankenstein hair, like like they look. They look totally appropriate. What was weird for me, Ben, was like, why didn't they test the makeup on the Enterprise? They're clearly wearing this stuff for the first time Yeah. on board the Klingon ship. And this made me think of a concept that you and I talk about all the time, which is bring all the things, mm-hmm. right? When yeah. you're going to go do a production, it's important to bring everything that you have. Because invariably, if you don't, if you make a gear list, you're going to yeah. forget something. Right, because when you're writing something on a piece of paper, 
You're yeah. not necessarily going to remember to bring the like coiled up power cables that you need for your light if they're yeah. in a different place. And so the idea of them test fitting the shit for the first time far away from the Enterprise. <laughs> Gave you a little production anxiety? Total production anxiety. Oh, my God. Like they are, they're so far away from home. Yeah. <laughs> like what if, what if they forget an ear? Oh, fuck! For a student film that I directed... The uh, makeup that we used for one of the characters, we cast a one of my college classmates as a very old man and put him in old man makeup. And uh, a makeup artist that I trusted very much showed up and put him in makeup that was laughably bad. <laughs> and we just like didn't have the time, budget, or wherewithal to do to do like a test shoot uh-huh. to see if the makeup worked and. On set, I just had to roll with the makeup being a fucking catastrophe. <laughs> you put, like, four beauty filters on the lens? Yeah, like, this could have been that for them. And uh, fortunately, Dr. Crusher is a, uh, a a really top-notch MUA. Yeah, didn't even need to test it. I wonder, what you also don't see is how they put it on. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's a latex Halloween mask type situation. Yeah, like, uh, like in early Mission Impossible... Is it an early Mission Impossible movie type yeah. situation? Or is it more like a late Mission Impossible type situation where there's like a 3D printer involved? Yeah, it's got to be the latter. But what you don't get also is like the Trapper Keeper with the loaf inside. Yeah. Like I wanted to see how that shit traveled. <laughs> yeah, they don't even show them carrying a loaf case. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have to keep it in liquid? Like... <laughs> Like, is it made of real skin, I wonder? Like Barbasol? Yeah. I don't know. Well, they start walking around on Romulus, and they're like, where is where is this guy? This uh, What's the guy's name? Uh, his name is Pardek. They sort of set up shop at, a, at like a ramen shop. Yeah. Like some, with a stand-up table. Order a couple of soups and start talking over strategy. Yeah, and I, I like their little interaction with the the lady that keeps the shop because... It really is illustrative of what kind of society we're looking at on Romulus. Mm-hmm. Eat your soup, courtesy of a loyal establishment, Jolan Troop. It's a society where the proprietrix of a soup shop is willing to give to strangers free soup just in case they are government stooges of some kind. Yeah. She is eager to express her loyalty to the autocratic Romulan government. Yeah. It's sort of a hostile loyalty. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just doesn't want to disappear, you know? Like, it's some real East Germany shit. Yeah, and the only cost to her is a couple of bowls of soup, which do not appear to be appetizing yeah, to that... Picard. He has a real hard time choking this down. Yeah, it's like, uh, it might even be gruel. Like, that, it could be miso, maybe, but it's you real ever have thick any miso. That bean with bacon soup, the Campbell's bean with bacon when you were growing up? No. That was a staple of my household growing up, and it looked like that to me. Yeah. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. Well, I don't think Picard's into that flavor of soup because he is, like, doing everything he can to not gag. Yeah. And that would give it away, too. Yep. Yeah, I can't eat the, I can't eat the food here. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> you eat this shit? <laughs> <laughs> fucking gross 
It's fucking gross, and I like gah, okay? You know, like when you're traveling, you can pretty much count on a children's menu everywhere. Like mm. no matter how exotic you get, you're going to find the chicken strips. This uh, little ramen shop does not appear to have the chicken strips on the menu. I went to Africa to shoot a film several years ago for work, and I arrived in Nairobi kind of at dinner time, and a bunch of the team was there already, including the executive producer, and the idea was floated that we go out to dinner, and we wound up at an Ethiopian restaurant in Nairobi, Kenya, and I ordered, I ordered a dish that I forget the name of. It's a fairly common Ethiopian dish that is mainly raw beef. Ooh. And I was about halfway through eating it when I realized, like, I don't know what the, like, health code situation in this country is. I could have just killed myself. <laughs> Why Ooh. did I order this? <laughs> and uh, how did you feel later on? It was delicious. I had no problem with that. I, okay. I actually did get sick from a salad that I ate, and yeah. that was because it was washed with, you know, I think, like, it wasn't that it was bad water. It's just different water has yeah. different stuff in it in different yeah. countries. Like I got sick in Ireland in a very similar way. And yeah. Uh, and I think it was just like your body kind of gets used to different places. Gets used to the water. But yeah, I was definitely like, I, I, I was like sticking a fork full of this stuff in my mouth when I remembered where I was and what I was doing. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I love that that occurred to you halfway through. That's great. Yeah. Well, you know, I was fresh off like a 20-hour airplane yeah, you, trip, you know. You're pretty zonked. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what's the beefiest thing that I can beef on right now? This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So a couple of spooks have been eyeing Picard and Data in their Romulan drag, and it doesn't matter how much soup they eat, Ben, they've been spotted. Yeah. And so Romulan security sticks them up and yeah. drags them down into a cave. Those, those Romulan Tommy guns are pretty scary looking, too. Yeah. Doesn't look like things are going to work out well for Data and Picard. Yeah. They get to the bottom of this cave. Well, let's, before we get to the bottom of the cave, let's talk about what happens with the Enterprise so we end about... End with the bottom of the cave, right? Good call. Back at the entrepreneur, Clem has explained to them that they use the Tripoli as basically the the cold storage of the boneyard. The starship Tripoli is where they put lots of things that they don't want to have to deal with anymore. And they beam stuff over to it all the time. And it's like, you know, like there's stuff supposed to get beamed to it in like two hours. And... Riker pretty quickly comes up with an, a cool idea for what they're going to do. So they park the ship among all of the other, uh, you know, murdered out starships, and they murder themselves out. And so they're they're hanging out there. It's like a it's like a classic cop show stakeout, right? Yeah, it's really cool. They're like, who's going to come around? Who's gonna Who's gonna come Who's gonna come be here when some stuff gets beamed to the Tripoli so that they can pretend to be the Tripoli getting stuff beamed to it and then leave. You get the shot though that you were deprived of the last time the entrepreneur's been murdered out, which is them actually turning off the lights. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. Yeah. So and, uh Riker's and, in the in, on the bridge in the command chair, like he's got a giant takeout cup of coffee and some donuts. They're on a stakeout. Yeah. And um this 
fucking sick looking ship pulls up. It's like yeah. it's like a black Cadillac, all black everything kind of ship. I feel like it's got like a real bassy sound to its engines. Yeah. Which I know I know when ships have sounds in space it's like not real, you know, you can't hear anything in space. It's bullshit. But I love it when it happens in Star Wars and I love a cool ship sound in Star Trek. It's got a real shooting brake design to it. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, really they've definitely great. modified the exhaust on this <laughs> starship. And it's a scary looking starship, but they scan it and they're like, this thing is packed to the brim with explosives. Like this thing is all weapons, basically. Yeah. It's it's a smaller ship, but it's it can go toe to toe with us in the shooting department. And they do that thing where they turn on the lights. It's like a teenage girl coming home. 25 minutes after her curfew dad turns on the you know pulls down the little chain on the on the <laughs> lamp in the living room he's been sitting in that lazy boy waiting for her and he is not happy nope you were in big trouble young lady <laughs> yeah. and uh and the young lady starts phasering at at, at the at the dad real bad yeah S- scary looking phaser on this young lady dropping some bangers mm-hmm yeah, and they they uh, they shoot back, and the like. Riker is asking Worf for the kind of shooting that the Temerians did in uh, in the Darmok episode, which is like knock out the thing that is a threat to us, but leave the rest of the ship mostly uh, unscathed. Mister Worf, lock onto their weapon systems only and prepare to fire. And Worf is like, "Cool, I can handle that." And uh, much more like Han and Chewie shooting the scanner drone in. Uh, in Empire, the uh, this this uh, black Cadillac explodes really quickly. Yeah, it seems like Worf kind of fucked this up, didn't he? If they had uh, if they had the Tamarians on their side, those guys are crack shots. Yeah, they should have done like a an exchange program, like they did with the Chaotic Bros. Yeah, would have been great. Yeah, so so Worf uh, uses a little too much power. And yeah. on a ship that's already filled to the brim with explosives, it's a bad time. It's like smoking in a in a fireworks factory, you know? Like yeah. the ship is full of bombs and uh and one little one little poke from from the phasers on the Enterprise is uh, enough to start a chain reaction, thing blows up and uh that would be a dead end to their investigation, would it not? Oops. Worf just sort of turns to camera, shrugs his shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) So, where we last left Picard and Data, it seemed like the jig was up. Mm -hmm. They're uh, they're far from home, and and it looks like they're on their way to a Romulan prison. Yeah, a couple of Romulans with Tommy guns is trouble enough but when they lead you down into a dark spooky cave yeah that's bad news bears you're gonna have a bad time yeah so a moment later pardek saunters down the stairs and he's like data and picard (laughs) what are you doing here (laughs) and the tommy gun guys whip off their bread box jackets and it seems pretty clear that pardek has sort of rescued them from street level, brought them down into the cave to confide in them. 
Yeah. That uh, that they're safe now. We had to get you off the streets uh, because we need you to meet someone, someone you may be familiar with. And they're like, well, we don't want to meet anybody. We're actually looking for somebody. We're looking for Spock. You found him, Captain Picard. You found him, buddy. You better believe it. <laughs> it me. And that's uh, that's our to-be-continued moment. Yeah, we get a nice five-second squint to camera from Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, push in on that beautiful face. He R. squints P. with the best of them. Yeah. He's like, oh, your first officer squints? Get a load of this. Veteran squinter. Yeah, and that's, that's where we're left. Nobody a, rocks a turtleneck like Spock. A mid-season cliffhanger, Ben. Yeah. At this moment in time, I wasn't sure that the show was capable of something like that. No, this is his first time. Yeah. Good stuff. And you don't even have to wait an entire summer to get the part two. It's coming next week. Yeah. Well, I know that this was merely part one, Adam, but did you like this episode? I think it's clear from the episode capsule and with with sort of how much hay we made out of the minutiae, <laughs> there wasn't a lot here, you know? It's a lot of table setting. There's more B story than there is A story in an interesting way. Like the the idea of Picard and Data going behind enemy lines and getting dressed up and finding Spock. Yeah. You can tell that story in five minutes. Yeah. And and they really sort of stretch it out to the full 40. Yeah, it's a lot of vignettes. Like the stuff with the Klingons is really fun. Like, and it... And it's sort of necessary, right? Like they have to, they have to explain how they would get to Romulus without the Romulans knowing. Yeah, I mean, the most interesting parts of this of this episode are the help that they need in order to 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 accomplish the mission. The help that they receive in the form of the Klingons, and uh, and in the form of the stockyard. Yeah. Guy, and and those those are super interesting characters to me. It's a it's a a massive expansion of the universe in a very subtle way because yeah. it's it's like oh yeah like there would be this kind of guy in this world yeah totally and there it's kind of two different guys that have a similar but different function right and it adds up that they would exist like i don't think that the federation really has this kind of guy but they would have to encounter them in their interactions with other species and and other powers around the quadrant and they and they do and it's it's fun yeah yeah it really is you don't have to wow us with that sort of expansion yeah and they they really subtly get it done here in a cool way great job guys did you like it i did okay i just wanted <laughs> to get that out of the way it's important that we both say it or not yeah we get we hear about it if we don't both say it or not if we aren't officially a review program that cease and desist letter comes down immediately (laughs) yeah this is a review program that's why it's okay for us to use little sounds from the show it's it's fair use in that case hey uh ben do we have any messages in the box let's take a listen see if we do priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel need a supplemental 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 yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Uh, nothing this week, Adam. And that's okay. I'm not going to get all pouty like I normally do. 
you know, we're busy, you're all busy, and a hundred bucks is not small change, you know? Like, you gotta, you gotta really have something worth sending it for, and we feel lucky to have had as many P1s as we have had. Isn't but that the truth? if you would like to send one, you go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, and it's a hundred bucks for a personal message and two hundred for a commercial message. You get to embarrass your friends or hawk your wares to our tens of thousands of listeners. And support the show at the same time. Yep. Damok, Angelad, and One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I did, Adam. We didn't actually talk about this scene as we chatted about the episode, but there is a very silly scene where Picard is trying to go to sleep and Data is standing because there's no other bed. And uh, Data's like doing some some sort of processing that will help him impersonate a Romulan. And... Uh, and he just kind of stands there leering at Picard. And uh, so Data gets my Shimoda for just being being incredibly silly in that scene. And uh, it's it's played for comedy and it's played very well, I think. Uh, I think uh, Spiner's performance in this is really funny. In the way that he, uh, the performance of the character Jim Shimoda was very funny as well. He, he's sort of like Jigsaw in the room, like the Jigsaw puppet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That just sort of lifelessly standing there. Yeah. And they don't play it for tension, but it's got to be creepy as fuck. Yeah. Like, Daddy, could you, like, maybe not just stand there looking at me? Yeah. <laughs> Fun. Uh, how about yourself? Did you have a Shimoda? Uh, mine occurs just before this scene. Um, Stephen Root plays the captain of the Klingon ship, and that's something that we didn't mention. Stephen Root is just fucking great. Yeah. And he's given him the tour, that hostile tour that we talked about. Yeah. And the performance here that I loved even more than Root's was Picard's playoff of him. Yeah. Because what Picard does is he sort of goes full Andrew Zimmern. <laughs> Stephen Root's like, Oh, yeah, you're going to hate this fucking bed. It's like a sheet of metal. And Picard's like, I love sleeping on metal. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Steven Root's like, uh, you're going to hate eating at the banquet. Everything's fucking room temperature and crawling around. <laughs> and, uh, and Picard's like, no, actually, I love gawk. I'm ready to eat it. Yeah, it's like, been a while, and, but I, I, uh, I always look forward to gawk. And, like, the thing that Andrew Zimmern does is, like, he doesn't just take a nibble off of the balls. Like... He pops yeah. the testicles into his mouth and, like, chews them up and swallows them. And that is what Picard is doing. He's like, oh, yeah, like, you're selling this to me as a bad thing. I am ready to, like, bathe myself in this. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to go. He, like, he big dogs him yeah. in a really great way because he reverses the power. Yeah, it's, it's big dog counter big dog all the way yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. And Picard plays it great. Yeah, fun. What do we have coming up in the next episode? The next episode is season five, episode eight, Unification, part two. What? <laughs> I know this comes as a complete shock. Picard and Data travel to investigate an unauthorized mission undertaken by the Federation's legendary Mr. Spock. <laughs> that is a weird recapitulation of the exact same thing that they said about the last episode. <laughs> Boy, they really don't want to give anything away in this capsule, huh? I feel like the capsule for part one and part two may have been flipped on Amazon streaming. Hmm. I use the I use the little episode descriptions from Amazon for for these because they're usually like one or two sentences. Yeah. 
So the one that I read last episode for Unification Part 1 was Picard and Mr. Spock clash over a proposed reunification of the Romulans and Vulcans, which does Mm -hmm. not happen in the episode we just watched. (laughs) And this is like Picard and Data travel to investigate an unauthorized mission. They got flipped. Well, Amazon's busy delivering things by drone. They don't have time (laughs) to write these capsules. Yeah, they probably just bought them from some other company. I almost got a job for a company that was like like when I first got out of college, the job was literally watch movies and write like four sentence descriptions of them because like they Sounds needed like a people. a dream job. They just needed people to like generate like metadata about movies. Yeah. And I was like, who the fuck is ever going to use this? And then Netflix and Amazon streaming and Hulu and all these companies like obviously have a need for that, you know? I mean, the cliffhanger for me is, are they ever going to go finish their soup? (laughs) And what's up with the soup lady? I want to know more about her. Yeah. Do you think Picard's going to walk around the barrio? He sort of likes going on these behind enemy lines missions and he'll put on a hoodie and just sort of walk around. I wonder if that soup lady ever had a shot at the the emperor of Romulus that (laughs) she decided not to take because she had some body shaming critique of him. We can only hope that we will receive a full, a fully realized character in part two of Unification. <laughs> yeah, we know this shows rich history of really well, well thought out female characters. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have any guesses about what part two is going to reveal, uh, you can find us on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm on there as at Cut for Time. Ben is there as at Benjamin R A H R. We are also on Facebook and Reddit. Those are very lively communities and real fun to take part in. And uh, I'm not sure if this will be going on yet, Adam, but uh, sometime soon on the Max Fun Store, maxfunstore.com, you will be able to buy an exclusive Drunk Shimoda pint glass. This, you know how you, you know how when you're in the band, you don't want to wear your band shirt? Yeah. I'm going to buy these glasses. I've, I'm really excited them. about it. I mean, like, yeah. like there's a couple of unusual things on the Max Fun Store. I think there's, like, a skateboard deck. Mm-hmm. But mostly it's mugs and shirts. Yeah. And I feel really cool that our show has a special non-mug, non-shirt piece of merch. And I feel like this is a fun one to actually have. I'm totally going to buy one, too. It, recognized that, it recognizes the heavy drinkers in our audience. <laughs> Well, you have to drink a lot to get through an episode of The Greatest Generation. It's true. It's true. I don't blame them. Well, uh, drinking or not, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thanks to Dark Materia and Adam Ragusea for our music. And uh, I think that just about does it. So with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that is perplexingly reversed with the previous episode of The Greatest Generation. What? (laughs) We should put out part two in front of part one. See what happens. (laughs) I think they shot them in that order, too. Ooh. Well, they got to take advantage of Nimoy's big schedule. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what it was, was Nimoy was super busy, and they were like, well, can we squeeze you in for, like, one full episode? Grab a single shot for the second one? Yeah. 
All right, I'm going to hit stop. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.